0: What's up, guys? This is Nate the FN Great, yielding to royalty, because you are listening to the Kings of the Rings, only on WrestleAttic Radio. Behold the king. The king of kings. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Kings of the Rings podcast episode number 184 of course i am your host king ricky rose you can find me at ambassador biggs across all social media outlets at facebook that twitter at instagram just to name a few bigz ambassador bigs find kings of the rings podcast on social media at kotr underscore podcast on facebook on twitter on instagram listen to us each and every week wherever you get all of your podcasts by subscribing to wrestle addict radio and find wrestle addict radio um on their social media at Addict underscore Wrestle on Twitter and Wrestle addict Radio on Facebook and Instagram. So I've got a bit of a n- bit of news for you uh, today, folks. So uh, Willie T is uh, away doing um, doing some moving in, Willie T moved, and uh, Kate Murphy is uh, still recovering uh, from, from, from what she was uh, dealing with before. So luckily for all of you, it is going to be a one-man show. And I think before the first time in well over 100 episodes, K.O.T.R. is a one-man show. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the King's Court for the first and maybe the only time ever. This is going to be a little bit different from my Watch the Throne series, which will be making a valiant return probably within a month or so. This is going to be an elongated Kings of the Rings podcast uh, Words, words me, me, and only me. So hopefully you're going to enjoy the ride. So let's get into uh, all the news that's fit in the boot for this week. And trust me, folks, there is a ton of news uh, going on in the wrestling world or wrestling related uh, news in and outside of the wrestling ring. So let's start uh, with a feel good newsworthy clip where uh, we found out um, early on Monday about The Rock's daughter. Uh, Simone Johnson, the only daughter of The Rock, and I believe this is the one that The Rock uh, called Pebbles uh, jokingly when she was first born. Well, Pebbles is now 18 years old, and now Pebbles, as I'll be calling her um, and endearingly, Pebbles has now signed a full-on contract with the WWE Performance Center, and she will be training to become a future WWE superstar. This is a very big deal. Um, because as Triple H po- pointed out in this press release about this signing, which is very weird, because you're talking about you're signing an 18-year-old. This is, this feels um, this feels like uh, what happens when like the NBA signs some kid out of high school. This, this is, it gives you that kind of same feel. Um, however, she is going to be the first ever, the first ever fourth generation superstar ever in wwe history so that is a huge deal we had a lot of third generation people and that was really big especially uh, for me growing up in the attitude era tons of third generation superstars the rock being one of them um and now we have our first ever fourth generation superstar so it's going to be really cool to see but now we've had you know fame people's Uh, siblings uh, come through wrestling uh, before and especially come through with WWE. And what a lot of people need to realize is that they're going to make her earn it, um, number one. And number two, she is only 18 years old. So don't expect her to be some sort of phenom unless she is actually like some sort of physical phenom and specimen that can go right away. I highly doubt that. Um, She's going to have to earn her licks. She's going to have to earn her way through. Uh, Charlotte had to do the same thing. Any other uh, person's uh, famous parent sibling had to do the same thing with varying rates of success. Charlotte is an anomaly where she became op- arguably the greatest female wrestler of all time. But for every Charlotte Flair, there's a Curtis Axel. There's a Bo Dallas where there was some potential there, but it wasn't always met. Um, so take it all with a grain of salt. By and large, Congratulations to The Rock, congratulations to Pebbles, as I will call her, until they probably give her a proper ring name, Um, wishing her all of the best in her future uh, with the WWE PC. So it's gonna be something to really follow um, as the years progress with her and her career. It's a very infantile career, but it's still a career that has a lot of potential right now, a lot of potential. So let's move on uh, to some news that just got broke on WWE Backstage. Um, a couple of days ago as you're listening to this on Thursday uh, John Cena is going to be returning to Smackdown Live on February 28th and I could not think of a worse way to celebrate my birthday than to watch the return of bland ass John Cena of course I'm joking semi a little bit uh, John Cena needs to come back to Smackdown because Smackdown uh, really needs it uh, at this point, but it's really interesting the timing of John Cena's returning to SmackDown at the end of February. It is going to be um, a day right after Super Showdown, so this means that this is probably potentially leading up to some sort of big WrestleMania announcement for John Cena, or, the fin- or finally, the SmackDown build into WrestleMania, because SmackDown hasn't been building to WrestleMania. They've been building to the other show, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later after the commercial break. So John Cena coming to SmackDown is a positive thing and it's also a thing that is really, really solely needed. Uh, but let's get into some things that are going on outside of the ring and things not potentially related to WWE, but just related to WWE just because of the person who is founding the organization. And of course, I'm talking about the XFL had its inaugural uh, weekend. Uh, this past weekend. Four games across two days, across three different networks. As my phone goes off, my apologies about that. I got some breaking news uh, about about uh, shenanigans that might be going on. Anywho, XFL had four games over three different networks. Fox, ABC, ESPN, and overall, those games were a success. And when I mean success, I mean that they were uh, positive games. (laughs) They were Uh, games that were highly competitive. The level of play was through the roof the quality of play was through the roof the hits were hard the plays were fascinating they had great attendance across all of the games um and i think they did really well in ratings i want to say 3.3 million overall um I, don't quote me on that but somebody please fact check me but they did really good ratings on um, the x might be someone that's here to stay but the variation in the game has been well received by people like troy aikman former dallas cowboy and hall of famer um And it's something that the uh, NFL could use as a potential consistent spring football league. I mean, you have people here who, who are running this league who are... Football aficionados have been doing this thing for a long time. you are talking about Oliver Luck, the father of Andrew Luck, and one of the former heads of the college football playoff community. you are talking about legendary Oklahoma Sooners uh, football coach Bob Stoops, who's running the Dallas franchise. You have Kevin Gilbride running the New York franchise. There is a lot of people with a lot of NFL and football background in general that are either running these organizations and are also even playing in these um organizations that's what makes the xfl so good thus far i really hope they're able to keep our level play i think they are pj walker has been um a standout standout person with a unreal standout performance in the first week um and i hope to see the xfl um grow um and hopefully last more than a year so Fingers crossed for that, while I'm trying to try to get, while the getting's good, I'm going to try to go to an XFL game um, in the very, very near future. Uh, I'm going to try to plan it out, so if anybody wants to join me for a New York Guardians football game, uh, please hit me up. I'll I'll definitely be uh, attuned to it. Uh, So, let's get into something um, that's going to be a little bit interesting for me to talk about. Uh, One, because it's AEW, and everybody knows that. I don't always talk about AEW, but two, it is going to be about this 10 lashings segment between MJF and Cody Rhodes, between Wardlow, Young Bucks, yada yada, and you name it, it was there. So as the a, as a, as a story goes, uh, Cody wants to fight MJF, fight Revolution, and MJF says, you gotta go through all of these different stipulations, one being like a cage match, it's gonna be happening in a couple of weeks, a couple of other stipulations that have been going on in the past weeks. Uh, One stipulation uh, that now has stuck out in everybody's eyes was, excuse me, um, is this 10 lashings segment, or as we in the African-American community like to call it, Tuesday. Um, It's interesting, because, I mean... Maybe I, I see this differently because I am i I'm an African American, and I'm very hyper aware, maybe even to the point of hypersensitive about something like this that is very um, not even not even very familiar to, but something that's very, in my eyes at least related to the African American culture, stereotypically uh, of beating your, your children, even more so when you go back to the days of um, when you're founding America and slavery, where you would whip your slaves and punish them for, for doing something bad. Um, and in, in that sense, this segment is kind of uncomfortable. Cause it feels like you're going back to that. I mean, like I've seen Roots. I saw when Toby got beat, and then like the joking side of me, I'm like, really, Cody can't take three lashes without falling to the fucking floor. Um, but that's just me. <laughs> um, I want to be like, Cody, man up, please. Jeez, it's just, a, it's just a belt whipping. Um, but then again, that's just me praying, like you know, the stereotypical black guy, where like. Oh, we're useful. I see, we watch people get beat all the time. Like I said, it's, you know, it's a Tuesday for us. Um, but from a more, I guess, from a more serious standpoint, from a more mature standpoint, I, I see this as something that is a little bit of, um, I don't want to say mocking black culture, but it feels like it's mocking black culture. Um, and not the good part of black culture. I mean, I find it interesting that they did this segment in February during Black History Month. I mean, also, take that with a grain of salt. I am also speaking from the viewpoint of an African-American who, I, who, like I said, is hyper-aware of who I am and also hyper-sensitive to things like this. So, like I said, take this with a grain of salt if you are listening to this. Um, I find it interesting that they did it, like I said, during Black History Month. I find it interesting that they really elongated the drama, you know, and it made me think of a lot of words like... um. Like I said, Mocking Black Coach, it made me think of White Fragility, or Fragility, White Fragility, also came to mind when, when looking at this segment, and also very unnecessary. I mean, in this day and age, in wrestling, we've done a lot of shock things before, like we've had necrophilia in WWE, we've had punting of fake babies, uh, we've had Mae Young giving birth to a hand, we've had... Um, Contracts, you you name it. On the pole matches, on Viagra on the pole matches, so on and so forth. But in this day and age in wrestling, do we really need to resort to something like this? For some reason, in my mind, as I'm watching this segment and I'm getting uncomfortable with it, and of course I'm aware it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, but I'm uncomfortable in a sense that what message is this sending uh, for for sports and entertainment? You know, granted, AEW is not. A program that says they're pandering to a younger audience depending to a cheaper audience um, I also again found it interesting that they did ten lashes in the deep south in Alabama um, but it, it, it got me to, to thinking about it reminded me of a segment for uh, for some reason when Trish Stratus and Vince McMahon um, had the segment and Vince told her to Vince made her strip to her underwear and be on all fours and bark like a dog. Like it gave me that level of uncomfortability and like and thinking like this is not something that I think should be on TV. I don't, I don't get why we're doing this. Like I get the heat it's bringing uh, for MJ and MJ is just a deuce in the, in the first place. Um, I I get you know the reaction it's supposed to do. Again, I also just find it really funny that you're doing ten lashes in the deep south of Alabama, like no one's seen somebody get whipped before. Um. But is it necessary to get this story across? Also, furthermore, is this necessary for Cody? Or is it necessary for Cody to be this focal point? Um, so far, so deep into AEW, they're going to, like, what, their fourth pay-per-view at this point? And I've been very critical of AEW because they've been using a lot of WWE made stars. I mean, minus Chris Jericho, because Chris Jericho was just an international sensation. But you're using a lot of you're using a lot of WWE made stars to to push your storylines. And I've been saying for the longest time, you need to really start developing people like MJF, which they have been doing now. Um, and the Hangman Page, which Hangman Page is kind of lost with this whole thing with the elite, aka people who are running the company. You know, I I feel like. We need to start stepping away from this, and then Cody is this consummate babyface, but Cody is also the owner of AEW. There's gotta be a line where you step away from the storylines and give other people a shot to make a name for themselves. Cody doesn't need a name for himself. The Young Bucks don't need a name for themselves, The Young Bucks have been doing pretty well staying in the background and being more supportive characters. But I didn't appreciate, and I will probably never appreciate, all the focus on Cody. I guarantee this was Cody's idea, this is Cody's company, so on and so forth, but you're supposed to be giving AEW supposed to be a land of opportunity for other people to shine, and I don't see it when the owner is always in the main segment. Again, Texas with a grain of salt because Vince McMahon did this for years. However, Vince McMahon was able to elevate characters, and Vince McMahon wasn't elevating himself. There is a huge difference with that. Um, With that being said, I don't know what I, like, I don't, I I don't know if I'm going to watch the segment again, because I don't feel like I need to watch the segment again, but I don't know if that segment, the the 10 lashings, um, was as dramatic, should have been as dramatic as it was. I think it was oversold, um, and there's a part of me that is a little bit irked by it, as an an African American. There's a part of me that is really, really irked by it, and disturbed, and kind of, PO'd by it. Um, also another word that came to mind, appropriation, um, in, in a weird sense. So I would love to hear what you guys think about that 10 lashing segment um, from other people's viewpoints, from other cultures' viewpoints, how you guys felt about it, maybe you can give me a different perspective on it, this is just my perspective from what I uh, witnessed Uh, during that segment and somebody could see it completely different. I'm open to having that discussion uh, with me on Twitter at Ambassador Biggs. Uh, So let me know what you guys think. Uh, While we decompress from that really quickly let's take a quick commercial break and when we come back we're going to be breaking down Raw, Smackdown and most importantly NXT TakeOver Portland because it is their weekend and NXT TakeOver Portland is going to be a standalone pay-per-view happening on Sunday. So we're going to focus a lot on that when we get back, so stay tuned. What's going on, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose of the Kings of the Rings podcast. More importantly, I am your general manager here at WrestleAddict Radio. And if you'd like what you listen to each and every week on this podcast stream, I think you'll enjoy all the bonus content that we have on our Patreon page, where for just $5 a month, no tears, just one small payment of $5 a month, you get exclusive access to all of our bonus Patreon shows from everybody within the WrestleAddict Radio network. On top of that, you'll get exclusive access to us via a patreon chat where you can talk about different ideas different things you want to see in our shows and potentially even be a guest on one of our shows so that's something that you are interested in being a part of a wrestling community that keeps wrestling real go to patreon.com backslash wrestleatic radio and click subscribe now enjoy the rest of the show What's going on everybody? This is DK Murphy and you are listening to Kings of the Rings exclusively on Russell Addict Radio. It's a new day. Yes it is. And welcome back ladies and gentlemen, Kings of the Rings podcast exclusively here on Wrestleatic Radio. I'm your host and your only host this week, King Ricky Rose, and this is the King's Court. So we're going to get into a little bit of a breakdown of a week in wrestling in regards to WWE. Uh, let's start off with SmackDown uh, from this past week. And what I've noticed um, with the SmackDown brand is that SmackDown, is kind of stuck in this weird vortex where SmackDown is blatantly building to Super Showdown, while Raw is full speed ahead into, um, into WrestleMania, and it's weird that they're doing it that way. But I guess somebody's gotta somebody's gotta build up Super Showdown, and they chose SmackDown to do so, um, and not Raw. I I guess I get it. It is what it is, and that's kind of what we're stuck with. So that's why we're kind of. One of the reasons why I see now while SmackDown has been stuck kind of in this limbo, and hopefully, hopefully after Super Showdown, things pick up, and I think it will, because like I said in the first segment, John Cena's coming back. And when John Cena comes back, that usually means a big deal. It usually means it's WrestleMania season. That usually means something is coming big for the blue brand. So fingers crossed that this John Cena appearance after Super Showdown is not wasted. So, with Super Showdown and SmackDown, because SmackDown should might as well be called SmackDown Super Showdown at this point. Obviously, you're getting the elongated feud of Roman and Corbin in a steel cage. Um, You are getting a tag team championship match between The New Day versus Miz and Morrison. Uh, And you have whatever Braun Strowman's doing, which is interesting in and of itself. But what I do want to focus on a lot with SmackDown Super Showdown is Goldberg. Goldberg made his return. We tried to figure out what is Goldberg doing back again. Um, you know, you would think after WrestleMania 33, uh, he he lost to, to Lesnar and he had this big value goodbye, and you know now he's been back for like three matches or two matches and an appearance, uh, all this stuff. So Goldberg's back, and that's cool, you know and Goldberg automatically challenges The Fiend. Interesting. (laughs) Very, very interesting. A lot can go on in this match. Now, could it be easy that The Fiend automatically just takes out Goldberg, and Goldberg just becomes another person on The Fiend's wall in the Firefly Funhouse? Absolutely. Could WWE pull the trigger and Goldberg beat The Fiend, be the first one to actually beat The Fiend Upping the the legend of Goldberg that much more um, and having Goldberg potentially now be another headliner for WrestleMania 36, that is also a giant possibility. Listen, whether you like it or not, Goldberg is a name that is synonymous with professional wrestling for the casual fan as well as for people who never ever watch wrestling. If you don't watch wrestling, you only know a couple of names, you will know Hulk Hogan, you know Andre the Giant, you know The Rock, you know Stone Cold Steve Austin, and guess what? Goldberg's part of that group as well. So, if you wanted if they had a fear, an actual fear of getting uh people to watch WrestleMania um and or people or to sell out Bad Arena, you could put the strap on Goldberg. It could be a total business decision. Goldberg can be a transitional champion. Who knows? It's intriguing, it's up in the air. I don't know how this match is going to go. Um these are two very different styles of workers. Goldberg works quick. Bray works a little bit more methodical um in nature. So I really, really don't know how this is gonna go. It's up in the air. It's going to have to develop as Super Showdown comes. It's going to be one of the more interesting bouts on Super Showdown, if you can name an interesting bout on Super Showdown, which will give Super Showdown credit. They actually are fighting, I believe, they mentioned on Raw this past week. Some tournament for some sort of random trophy. Who knows? They'll probably talk about it more as Super Showdown uh, gets closer. Moving along. The other thing with SmackDown I want to talk about is not the women's division. Um, actually but it is about Otis and Mandy so coming up on Smackdown this week it is Valentine's Day um, and the only person that I know that has a date uh, besides all of my friends who are coupled up or wiped up or have children and all that shit not my single as hell ass um, is Otis Dosovich has a date with Mandy and if anybody knows wrestling and if anybody knows WWE wrestling we all know that this segment is going to go with shit Okay, this segment is going to blow up in Otis's space, which is going to be a shame because I'm rooting for Otis because big men like us need to find, need to know that there's hope uh, in, in trying to have a date and having successful dates and relationships with beautiful women like Mandy Rose. Big men don't get this opportunity all the time, so Otis is like my spirit animal at the moment. talking about appropriation. Um, however, I know this is going to fail. But the problem is, not the problem, but the question is, who is going to ruin this date? Who is going to end the hopes and dreams of Otis? And Otis more so than Mandy. I mean, Mandy is playing like she's very interested, but I don't know how interested she really is. But we will see. But I'm wondering who's going to ruin this for Otis. That's the way I'm viewing this segment. That's the way I'm going to view this segment, while I eat my, you know, my box of chocolates by myself, and I, I see one person in particular who is going to completely and utterly destroy this segment, and I think it's going to be Sonya Deville, and I think this is Sonya Deville's coming out party. I think this is where Sonya Deville finally makes a name for herself and goes out and goes out on her own and and away. From the shadow of Mandy Rose, because fire and desire need to be broken up, we're doing nothing with them. They're not tag team champions. They just need to go out on their own and do their own thing. In my opinion, Sonya Deville is way too talented to not be to be um, Mandy Rose's lack. I know Mandy Rose is the hot, beautiful blonde, but Sonya Deville is the is the workhorse of that group. She is a f- former MMA MMA trained fighter. She can go in the ring. She needs her time to shine in that division. I think this is the moment that that starts and it starts with her totally taking out um, Mandy Rose in this segment. So I'm interested to see what WWE does with that. So moving on from SmackDown, let's get into the big news of the week because this weekend is all about NXT, okay? NXT is having a standalone pay-per-view on a Sunday. Uh, which I think is the first time that's ever happened. A lot of our standalones have usually been on Saturday, like NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 or 1 was... Uh, or number 2, I think, I forgot, was a standalone. NXT TakeOver 25 was also a standalone and had no other pay-per-view associated with it. Um, and NXT TakeOver Portland is the next standalone. It's an interesting placement for this uh, because... Um, there's no, there's nothing really going on in this part of February. It's Will's birthday, uh, that Sunday. So happy birthday to Will, if anybody uh, is going to be speaking to him. Hopefully he's, he'll be alive for that. Um, so, so this is interesting. It's also interesting that it's in Portland. Um, you know, Portland and the Pacific Northwest in general hasn't always been a hotbed for wrestling. Um, but we'll see how this crowd goes. I'm interested to see. Uh, what transpires in this takeover and I'm looking at the card right now this is a great takeover card as most takeover cards are great well let's break this down one by one starting with the first match which is going to be an elongated grudge match we have Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox in a street fight now if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago Tegan Knox did get her uh revenge on Dakota Kai on NXT TV. However, this feud is not over with. Okay? So, we're going to have a a street fight where anything goes. Uh, Tegan Nox, Dakota Kai, this is going to be a wild match. Who knows what you're going to do? Uh, I feel like a knee brace is going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the last time I really saw them, like I said, Tegan Nox got the win. So, I think Dakota Kai could be like a female champa where she kind of just pulls a win out of her ass out of nowhere and just elevates her stock that much more. So I'm going to go officially with Dakota Kai winning this street fight, much to the chagrin of everybody in the audience. Uh, next match that I have up on here is the NXT Tag Team Championship, the Undisputed Era um, versus the Weights and Matt Riddle. And Pete Dunn. This again is a very unpredictable card, unpredictable match. Because how many times has the Undisputed Era either won the titles or defended the titles out of takeover and been successful? Um, O'Reilly and Fish, fantastic tag team. Absolutely fantastic tag team. Um, it doesn't get better. They come to perform, they perform all the time. Um, they, they put on these stellar matches. And, even though know, either way, I, I can see them holding the titles. I can see them dropping the titles to Riddle and Dunn, but do Riddle and Dunn really need, you know, the tag titles? I mean, they're so big as they are. Do we need, you know, a strange, bad fellow tag team? It could be interesting. It could be a breath of fresh air. I, I really don't know. I really don't know what, what's going to go on with this match. If I, you know, if you're going to have me flip a coin right now, which I will flip a coin, Right now, you know, I'm going to say that the Bruiserweights win, and that's just by me flipping a coin, you know. But I I wouldn't be surprised if the Undisputed Era find a way to retain, just like they usually do most of the time through some sort of, as Dusty Dave would say, shout out to Dusty Dave, nefarious means. Um, Moving along in the card, we have the NXT North American Championship with my twin, Keith Lee, going up against Dominic Dijakovic. This is... It put... It put it in the right place, which I believe it'll be in the middle of a card, um, if not for Gargano and... Um, Gargano and Balor. This could steal the show. This could steal the show. You have seen what these guys have done on NXT TV. These guys are two ultra-athletic big men who shouldn't be as athletic as they are for their size. It is unbelievable how good these guys are. They are going to put on a show. It's gonna be an athletic showcase. It's going to shock and all you with the moves that they are going to do. I expect nothing but good things from this match where both guys will look great moving forward. And with that being said, call it bias, call it whatever you want. Keith Lee will retain uh, the North American Championship. Because he deserves to retain a North American Championship until he moves on to the NXT title scene or if he gets moved over to Raw or SmackDown. Because no one gets moved up anymore. They get moved over to Raw or SmackDown. So we've got to change that nomenclature as we move on. Keith Lee will win and retain the North American Championship. Uh, moving along, Balor and Gargano blood feud for the, for the right to be calling themselves Mr. NXT. Um forever and ever, Balor being the legendary staple of NXT, and then Gargano came over and just had a hell of an NXT run, becoming the first ever Triple Crown uh, NXT Champion, Finn Balor coming back, kind coming to reclaim his throne. This match was supposed to happen at another takeover but obviously Gargano got hurt with his neck and we want to be really cautious about people with their neck injuries uh, so this got delayed which is fine uh, now the spotlight is on them and this could be another show-stealing moment uh, Gargano and battle I don't think I've ever seen them face off with each other this might be the first time in wrestling ever that Gargano and battle have ever gone one-on-one in any match in any arena in any promotion ever so we could be seeing some history in the making here. And again, this is another coin flip match. This is another match where you don't know who's gonna win. I don't really care who wins. I'm just here to see a fantastic display of of wrestling. A pure, pure wrestling um in this in this match. Oh man, if I had to flip a coin, what's your gonna flip, Ed's Being uh, Finn, Tails being Gargano. Flip it again. Tails will be Gargano. Wins one, but do not be surprised if Finn Balor, the heel magnet that he is, uh, picks up another one. But my random random coin flip says uh, Johnny Gargano. But we'll see. Moving along. Championship time, folks. Championship round. We have probably the most interesting match on the card with WrestleMania. Implications on this card. We have Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair, NXT women's title. Whoever wins this match will potentially go on to not fight at NXT Takeover, but potentially fight Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. First time in an NXT title, granted it be the women's title, which is a huge huge thing. Um, An NXT title is defended at WrestleMania, which is unbelievable in and of itself. Bianca Belair, and I'll speak on Bianca Belair first, if you've seen her, if you've watched the WWE Performance Center Combine that they had several months ago in the summer, if you've seen any of her work before, if you even watched her when she was at Tennessee, she's a pure Division 1 athlete. She is an athletic freak of Nature, okay, there is nothing like Bianca Belair that I have ever seen. Um, in my life, she's a rarity, she's a one of a kind. And if anybody can be a positive person, a positive even role model to carry to actually win the title, it could be Bianca Belair. Maybe she needs some help on the promo. I'll work, but you know, Rome wasn't built in the day with Rhea Ripley again, another person who. Uh, great talent again athletic freak of nature her promo packages are insane her dynamic with Charlotte is phenomenal um, as you know she's the, she's the up and comer she has that kind of like I'm invincible I can take you she's got she's she's every woman's badass at this moment and I wouldn't care to see either of them face off with Charlotte um, for the NXT women's title and I like that it's Charlotte that is doing this for NXT she is coming back, and this is Charlotte helping to give a rub to the most dominant women's division in all of wrestling, and that's the NXT women's division. You can quote me on that. Um, it's different, and this is good. This could be a fantastic match. This could be a really crap match, um, you know. But it doesn't matter how the match goes. It matters how the match finishes. So we could get a clean winner, and that winner can go on Charlotte to challenge Charlotte. I totally, I totally expect Charlotte to be in Portland on Sunday. I totally expect her to make an appearance during this women's championship match, whether it be before, during, or after. Now, what I don't know is, is I don't know if Charlotte is going to interfere in this match. And if Charlotte does interfere, and there is no clear winner, how do you settle this? And the only way that I see you settling this is you do a triple threat of WrestleMania, Charlotte, Bianca, Rhea Ripley for the NXT women's title. That's a match I'd love to see. Make it a triple threat. Why the hell not? <coughs> However, Rhea could just win clean. You could have Rhea versus Charlotte, which is a marquee matchup that everybody has been clamoring for. That's the way the story has been going. Charlotte hasn't made her decision yet. Uh, she's been very, very dodging and weaving. About making her decision, but I think the decision will be made in that announcement, that historic announcement, that the NXT women's title will be defended at WrestleMania happens this Sunday in Portland at NXT TakeOver. Ideally, I want a triple threat, and I want this to go to a dusty finish. Charlotte interferes, takes out both of them. However, realistically, Rhea beats Bianca in a very close match. Charlotte and Rhea have a face-off, and Charlotte says, I accept your challenge. See you at WrestleMania. That's what I think is more than likely going to happen. Now, moving on to the final match um, in the TakeOver Portland card. There's like six matches on this card, which is a very long card for NXT in and of itself. Um, Adam Cole, Bebe, versus Tommaso Ciampa. A match that is, you know, well worth the wait, with Ciampa finally being healthy, and Adam Cole pretty much, if you look back on it, Adam Cole benefited the most from Tommaso Ciampa's injury. Adam Cole became a top five wrestler in the world because Ciampa could not compete for so long, and Adam Cole went on to put on classic after classic after classic in NXT, in on Raw, on SmackDown, on Survivor Series, weekend, it was all Adam Cole. Adam Cole became a megastar, became a household name because Tommaso Ciampa was not around to defend his title. Tommaso Ciampa had to give up his title, had to give up his dream. And Adam Cole, you know, picked up where Ciampa left off and some could argue became one of the greatest, if not the greatest, NXT champion of all time. It's arguable. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying it's arguable. And now Ciampa's back. And mind you, Ciampa never lost the title. So what do you do now? How do you how do you bridge that gap? you know how do you how do you put these things together how do you how do you make it all work well you put them in a match together with each other in a long-awaited match this is a pure wrestling match there's no stipulations there's not false count anywhere doesn't street fight this cage matches in L in the cell this is a ladder match there's no gimmicks in this match it's straight pure wrestling and no one does straight pure wrestling um with great spots and still Core natural fundamentals like NXT there is no better promotion in the world that does straight pure wrestling like NXT and I will take and I'll go to the grave saying that so this match is going to be insane absolutely insane again another again another coin flip match this is what makes this card so great because I don't know half the people who are going to fucking win none of it is predictable <laughs> if Adam Cole wins, Adam Cole is the greatest NXT champion potentially of all time, thus far. If Tommaso Ciampa wins, we're back on that road and Ciampa gets the finish where he started where does this leave Cole and the Undisputed? Who knows? Is this the end of the Undisputed in NXT? Does the does the you know the reign of gold, does the prophecy start to crumble? Now we had this conversation before during other um, NXT shows or NXT Takeovers, and they still come out on top. So who knows with this? The feel-good moment, NXT is filled with feel-good moments, is Shamasu Ciampa wins. He wins Goldie, he he, he gets it back, um, and the story goes on, and maybe you even have a grudge match between you continuing continue the feud if this match is going to go over well, which it will. Um, And you have Cole versus Ciampa too, which by the way, great takeover main event, great Wrestlemania event too. Um, So, with that being said, I think if Adam Cole wins, then the story's over. And Ciampa has nothing to fight for. I think if Ciampa wins, then Cole needs revenge. However, whoever does win, don't leave out the fact that we had a returning Velveteen Dream. And Velveteen Dream needs something to do, he's already won a North American title, he doesn't need to be on that scene anymore. Maybe he goes after the champion next, maybe it's a Velveteen Dream becoming a number one contender going into going into takeover Tampa, could you imagine? Could you imagine the entrance, Like fuck whatever, can you imagine his entrance? in a pirate velveteen dream on a ship and everything like it's going to be unbelievable but that's all yet to be known so in in my case if we're going to go with just cole and champa i want to say tomasa champa wins i think it has um better things that could branch off of a tomasa Ciampa win from an adam cole win a win that we've seen before and that adam cole probably deserves but also Adam Cole can take a loss right now and still be one of the hottest things going in all of professional wrestling. So that's the TakeOver card um, as it has been set. It is going to be absolutely amazing. I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, maybe I'll be watching it with somebody uh, this, this year. Who knows? Who knows maybe i'll hit up my friend for, or maybe i do a watch party It is a sunday so i'll have room to to look around and, and watch it with people uh but i'm mean, overall i'm going to give this i'm going to have a high expectation for this because this is setting up everything leading into wrestlemania season for nxt so i'm going to give this a nine out of ten crowns of prediction i think it's going to be an a show it might be even nine five but right now setting the bar high at nine i wouldn't be surprised if it goes to 9.5 or 9.75 all of these people had the potential to put on great classic matches, so I expect a lot of barn burners uh, going on in this TakeOver card. So let me know what you guys think um, while you're listening to this in the comments below. So last but not least, let's move on to uh, the red brand, which has been the more exciting brand in my opinion because the red brand has actually been actively promoting and moving forward towards WrestleMania. Um, And let's start off here with uh, a very impassioned, long-term storybooking segment with Matt Hardy and Randy Orton, where Randy comes out, tries to explain. He gets that Roman booing treatment yet again. And Matt Hardy comes out, and he talks about the history between him and Edge, uh, which is good to do because a lot of people in the crowd are probably watching wrestling now don't know about Matt Hardy and Edge. History, so it's good to have that recap. But it's also good to be like, okay, yeah, this guy was my enemy, but he—I respect this man, and I don't—I want to know why, why you did this to him. Um, and and it was cool to, to see Matt show some pure emotion and fight for his friend, who for one time was a huge enemy. So, like, you have a lot of stuff going on here, like Hardy and Edge. Used to hate each other, like, like, this was beyond wrestling. Edge stole Lita from Matt Hardy, um, but that was a real thing that happened. There was a lot of infidelity going on and that could sever relationships forever. And somehow, some way, I guess, in Matt's old age, he has recovered. I mean, obviously, he's, he's married to Rebby and has beautiful children, and Rebby herself is a stunning woman, um, mm-hmm. in and of herself. Um, I guess they've come to some sort of common ground and you know Matt just wants to know why you're doing this to somebody who's worked so hard to get back, who's been up and down the road just like everybody else. why you knew this and Randy obviously gives him no answer. Randy ends up RKOing Matt Hardy and then giving him pretty much the farewell of a concerto and for all intent uh, intents and purposes, Matt Hardy is officially ridden off of WWE for good. That is how Matt Hardy is going to go. You'll probably never see Matt Hardy ever again until he is inducted into the Hall of Fame with his brother Jeff. Um, So with that being said, kudos to Matt Hardy. What an amazing career. I don't know what you're going to do next. I wish you all the best. You have given myself and a bunch of other uh, wrestling fans throughout the years great moments, whether it be, from your Hardy Boy days to Mattitude version 1 to the Broken Gimmick. Uh, congratulations on a historic career, a groundbreaking career, a career that um, will hardly ever be replicated because you guys were so big of innovators that I don't think anybody can ever top you guys in that in that moment. So congratulations to Matt Hardy, uh, and I wish you all the best in whatever you do next. Apparently AEW might be calling, so we'll see what happens there. Moving along. Uh, actually, not moving along. Let's move. Let's go back to this, this Orden and Edge feud. What a beautifully built story. Beautifully built story. You know, it reminds me of this show. But uh, I watched Friday Night Lights, where in the first episode, you have this all-American person, I and mean, then you totally just tear him down. Um, the all-American quarterback, and they totally just you know paralyze him from the waist down. The first episode out. um And you kind of have this similar story where you have Edge and he's coming back from his injury and everybody's so happy that he's back and now all of a sudden you have torn him down. You have Randy Orton brutally attack him, end him with a concerto. You haven't seen Edge since, have you? That's what's the beauty of this, is that Edge has been off of TV, which makes the attack that much more vicious, which makes the attack seem that much more real. See, that's the beauty in this whole in this whole storyline is that randy is the only one you're seeing. You have no idea how Edge is doing and the in the crowd wants to know what is Edge doing. No one wants to see Randy. Everybody wants to see Edge but we're holding Edge off of TV and that is a good thing because when Edge makes a return that pop is gonna be amazing. He's gonna get that come up imps and... Uh, on Randy really quickly and then it's going to lead to some sort of hell of a match stipulation or even just a pure match at all at Wrestlemania because this is the best built Wrestlemania feud thus far I can't wait for it it's worth the price of admission, it's worth sitting there for seven freaking hours uh, just to see this match because I don't remember the last time I've ever seen an Edge match I don't even remember if I've ever seen an Edge match to begin with so I'm very excited to be in Tampa when Edge has an official match at WrestleMania, even though it hasn't been announced, yet, it's gonna be announced. Um, Seth continues to be a heel <laughs> uh, on uh, on the probably the douchey's heel in all of wrestling right now. Sorry, MJF, um, especially with that uh, jacket. Seth has gone from we've seen so many versions of so We have blonde streak seb then we had no blonde streak Seth. Uh, now we have we have man bun Seth with female jacket Seth. Um, which is which is really funny I was just like what is he wearing did he borrow, Sep- did he borrow Becky's jacket I just I couldn't get it but it makes me hate him <laughs> it makes me think like you're such a douche and you're so annoying and I don't want to to see you on TV because you're just really annoying and, and it's working you know and the step character is annoying to me and I guess that's a good thing uh, Cause that's what it's supposed to do, but it's just uh, I just I want something more. I like uh, he's got the tag titles. Like, what do? You, mm, and it's I find it weird about the tag team champion one half, of the tag team champions opening up Raw. Not your United States champion because he's freaking suspended. Um, and, and not your WWE heavyweight champion because you know Brock's being Brock. And and you you leave it on seven. You know, seven at a point, he's the one carrying Raw, but it just. It seems weird. It does seem weird, um, but not as weird as Becky getting bit in the neck by Shayna Baszler. I mean, we're gonna we're not we're not gonna fast forward from this. She, um, Becky and Asuka put on another barn burner of a match. I found it really interesting that Becky won with a rock bottom, <laughs> and then Shayna came out kind of as suspected as expected and beat the crap out of Becky kind of as expected what we didn't expect was her to take a giant bite out of crime and bit her in the back of the neck like I don't know why this was a thing or how we even pulled that off like if she legit bit her because Becky was screaming bloody murder Um, but it was just it was so fascinating. So like, like why? Like I don't I don't know why. Like I get, Shayna coming in as a bruiser, it makes sense. She did it before on SmackDown, it made sense. She came in, she whipped that, she choked people out, boom, perfect, awesome. Did we really need to bite somebody in the back of the neck and have all that blood? It's shocking as all hell, especially that facial that was shown. But why? And that's what's going to make me tune into Raw next week to figure out why the hell is Shayna biting people. Are we making her a vampire? Which is a lot of wrestling Twitter suspects, which I don't think they're making her a vampire. Are, what are we doing with Shayna? Who the fuck knows? Who, who knows? Uh, but I'm interested, and that's all that matters. Shayna and Becky look like they're on a collision course for WrestleMania, which creates another great women's wrestling feud going into mania that match is going to be very very interesting um especially to see shana on such a big stage if she gets there if she, if she doesn't start biting people and potentially giving them coronavirus because i think that's how you get coronavirus right probably not don't quote me on that <laughs> i did so much shit for that one um with that being said folks uh, we're going to take another quick commercial break when we come back we're going to talk about uh, a lot of plans surrounding the future big four pay-per-views and of course also NJPW's return to America and a, re- and a return to the um, most world's most famous arena so all of that when we come back stay tuned hey guys it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling SoCal Val you are listening to Wrestle attic Radio I'm sending all the love from California mwah the king the king of kings with so much going on in wrestling it's very difficult to cover everything that I would like to cover on my main show Kings of the Rings podcast so I invite you guys to join our Patreon and listen to my exclusive show called Watch the Throne where each and every week I will be breaking down and going more in depth on a wrestling topic of my choice and trust me folks this isn't for the week of hearts. So, if you want an unedited, unscripted, raw, and real opinion about different topics in wrestling, go to patreon.com/wrestleadic radio, hit subscribe, and watch The Throne with me each and every week exclusively on WrestleAddict Radio. Now, enjoy the rest of the show. What's going on, guys? Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective here, and you're listening to the Kings of the Rings podcast on Wrestle Addict Radio. Welcome, everybody, back to Kings of the Rings podcast, episode 184, exclusively on Wrestle Addict Radio. This is the Kings Court, because it's just me, King Ricky Rosé, this week here on the show. And so, a lot of big announcements coming out of WWE earlier on this week and somewhat of last week. So let's get to the biggest announcement that broke this Monday morning, uh, February 10th at around 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific uh, via the LA time, is that WrestleMania is returning to the West Coast. And some would say that's the best coast, but WrestleMania is returning to Los Angeles um, and Sophie Stadium in Englewood, California in Hollywood Park in los angeles so wrestlemania goes hollywood for the first time in over 15 years almost 16 i believe wrestlemania 21 was held at staples center um if everybody remembers that's the wrestlemania where randy orton lost to the undertaker on end of the legend killer gimmick that's when john cena won his heavyweight championship that's when batista won his heavyweight championship and that was kind of the beginning of a changing of a guard in WWE, it's a, really the beginning of a John Cena reign uh, started at that WrestleMania. List. So it's still been a while since WWE has been to LA and the West Coast WrestleMania. You have Sophie Stadium, uh, on pretty much 85% complete. They uh, had the press conference there on Tuesday. Um, there's a couple of reasons why WWE chose Sophie Stadium and Los Angeles. One, Sophie Stadium is going to get a bunch of big events as the stadium starts off, and I'm not talking about the, te- the two two back-to-back nights of Taylor Swift when the event when the venue opens in July. I'm talking about they have already been slated to host um, the Super Bowl next year. They're already slated to host a college football playoffs in the upcoming years. They're already slated to be one of the host uh, stadiums for the Olympics. Uh, down the road when the Olympics finally return to America, um, and the the arena is is big. And if you've ever followed WWE, if you've picked up on this trend, is that the WWE um, likes to book their WrestleManias in stadiums where the Super Bowl is about to go to the year after. So, before Super Bowl gets to a stadium, WWE gets to that stadium, they break that attendance record, they say, F you, Super Bowl, WrestleMania is the shit. Um, I don't think that's kind of their mentality, but that's the way it kind of seems. And this is no different. The Super Bowl is coming in 2022. Um, WrestleMania will be there a year before. This is a great thing for Sophie Stadium because Sophie Stadium wants to use WrestleMania as kind of a practice run or kind of a trial run to see if they can handle an event of this nature with the, uh, with the arena and the venue being so young. Um, and like I said, not even being... Finished with construction at this moment in time as we are recording. So with that being said, uh, Sophie Stadium is going to be the future home of the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers when uh, when the NFL starts up again uh, in August. Um, and then for football, it is going to be uh, you know seated for about seventy thousand plus people. Uh, but it is expandable for future events, for other bigger events, to 100,000 people. Now, that should ring a bell to you because the last arena that was able to do that um, and expandable to 100,000 people was AT&T Stadium in Dallas. And lo and behold, what did Vince McMahon do? He went in there and he broke the uh, the indoor attendance record. That was uh, so... Um, So historically held, uh, when he did WrestleMania three, he broke that of WrestleMania 32. And guess what? He's probably gonna look to break his own attendance record again in LA at Sophie Stadium. And I don't think of a better venue to do it. Uh, LA has always been a place where WrestleMania has been held. They've held, I think, two or three of the WrestleManias before this one, WrestleMania 37. Um, Sophie Stadium is a very unique stadium. It's like a $5 billion project at this point. It is going to be um, a one-of-a-kind, uh, a special, because not only are you going to have Sophie Stadium in Inglewood, you're also going to have downtown L- Downtown LA hosting, you know, the Convention Center with access, and the Staples Center hosting all of these uh, different events: your your Raws, your your Takeovers, your Smackdowns. Um, so it's going to be kind of a dual site. Um, extravaganza, and it's very, very interesting to see how this is going to go. I'm very excited for it, I've already started looking at Airbnbs and hotels for LA, and I might have already booked my spot yet, but you don't know that yet. Um, So, I'm looking forward to this, I haven't been out to LA in such a long time, I'm very excited to go back, I I love exploring, I love traveling, and WrestleMania gives me an excuse to, to travel and visit different parts of the US, Um, At least once a year, so I'm ready to ready. I'm ready and ready to go go back back to Cali Cali, please someone know that rap reference uh, moving along, not to be outdone wrestling, um, with WrestleMania, but also SummerSlam travel packages started getting announced um, for, for Boston because SummerSlam is in Boston uh, this summer, and tickets are about to go on sale for that. A little thing interesting about the travel packages, one, travel packages do not include travel um, at all whatsoever. We also have... Um, we also have different events that are going on. We have something called, like, a duck boat tour. I've never been to Boston, so don't quote me on this, but they have a, a duck boat tour that you can go on if you're part of a travel package, like the big travel package. Uh, you also have... Um, we are gonna do like a, uh, I guess a meet and greet or some sort of meetup at the original Cheers location. Um, if anybody's ever seen Cheers, one of the greatest shows ever created. Uh, so, is gonna have like a meet and greet at Cheers. So I'm very excited uh, to be up in Boston because yes, Kings of the Rings podcast will be up in Boston. Uh, we have a lot of, we have hopefully a lot of things planned if Will will ever tell his mother about our appearance going up there. So, um, the travel packages are are coming in place, uh, they're start gonna start to go on sale in mid-March, I believe the pre-sale is gonna be at the end of February um, for just the SummerSlam event in and of itself, and then the weekend surrounding it, your Raws, your SmackDowns, your Takeovers, that pre-sale will happen I think later on in March, so be on the lookout for that. Please check your Ticketmaster, look for pre-sale codes. This is going to sell out, I can almost guarantee it uh we do it i mean the rest of my constituents do intend on being in boston for uh for SummerSlam. um it's going to be a great time as long as i don't uh go to jail for being a yankee fan but who knows what's going to happen not to be outdone though by all but wwe announcers new japan also announced that during SummerSlam weekend specifically On the Saturday of TakeOver, they are going to return to the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. And they are going to be putting on um, what has been noted as a Wrestle Kingdom-like show at the Garden. The G1 Supercard was by and large a very, very big success. Um, And I find it interesting that they're going to be counter-programming uh, WWE one of WWE's marquee weekends of the year that being SummerSlam weekend I, I find it interesting that it's going to be also in the Northeast so it's going to you're gonna split that crowd because um, people that would might go to SummerSlam might stay and now go to MSG and see what's new Japan show I know already know. I've been to New, I've been to New Japan shows. New Japan shows are great, but there's nothing like a, a wrestling weekend with WWE. Uh, we have we have great people up in Boston that I'm looking to see. Shout out to the Vaz family um, that I that I really want to see up up there. Excuse me, And hang hey, I would have friends in Boston, but I never see because they live in Boston um, that, that that I want to go up there so I can skip this new Japan one But I'm gonna be interested to see how the attendance goes for, for both of these events, especially since it's targeting takeover um, And no other event. It's targeting takeover. It's not targeting SummerSlam Overall or, or Smackdown again very interesting thing to note so new Japan is going to be returning um to the Garden are going to hold a Wrestle Kingdom-like event the same night as TakeOver Ball Steam. Again, very, very interesting. Um, With that being said, let's move on to uh, our Match of the Week, because we're going to wrap things up so far. Uh, Match of the Week for me, and only me because this is the King's Court, is uh, is going to be uh, Becky versus Asuka. Their match on Raw was great, their sequences were amazing. The fact that Becky won with something other than the disarmor was a pleasant sight to see. Uh, so I hope she starts uh having more of a I guess a pin finisher than a, than a submission finisher uh, moving forward. And my king of the night, it is of course going to be the returning Velveteen Dream. He had been out with injury for so so long he has made a valiant return i cannot wait to see what he does i feel like he is going to have a very very big involvement in the mania build up for nxt so we will see how things go but shout out to the velveteen dream uh my king of a nine and speaking of building up for mania i want to formally introduce this concept for kings of the rings podcast KOTR Mania. I want to do some big things leading up to Mania. I want to introduce, and I want to bring in more guest hosts from different podcasts, uh, for, uh, former guest hosts of ours, maybe even new guest hosts. I'm I'm opening up the floodgates. It is official. I want KRT Mania to be a big thing. Hopefully, starting in March or sooner in the upcoming weeks, I want to bring on different guest hosts, different perspectives on Mania. I want to open up um, communication with Podcasts from all over the wrestling spectrum. So if you wanna have a topic to discussed, you wanna be put on the show, please reach out to me. I'll be reaching out to some people that I'm very, very interested in collaborating with and working with off WrestleMania. Uh, for the build to WrestleMania, and even when I'm down in Tampa at WrestleMania, I want to collaborate and do little specials and do these little discussions with as many podcast people as possible. My podcast equipment will be with me down in Florida. KOTR Armenia is going to be a big thing, and I want that build up to start happening in March or late February, because late February is right around the corner. Uh, I want guest hosts on. I want. I'm looking for people that you've never heard from before. I'm also looking for people that you haven't heard from in a while, either. So KLT Mania is official. The floodgates are open. Reach out to me if you want to be a part of something pretty epic, unique, and wonderful. And with that being said, folks. This has been the end of our time. I'm actually surprised I made it this long. Um, but hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the King's Court, uh, the solo episode of Kings of the Rings podcast. Of course, my name is King Ricky Rose. You can find me at Ambassador Biggs across all social media outlets, BRGZ, Ambassador Bigs, um, find Kings of the Rings podcast social media at KOTR underscore podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Shout out to our Twitter followers, by the way. Our Twitter followers are increasing, increasing. We're about to hit a really, really big milestone if things keep going well. Subscribe and listen to us each and every week by subscribing to Wrestle Addict Radio. Search Wrestle Addict Radio up wherever you listen to all of your podcasts. I'll find Wrestle Addict Radio's social media um, at Addict underscore Wrestle on Twitter and wrestle addict Radio on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, if you want even more content from us, for $5 a month or $0.17 cents a day, um, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash Radio and be part of a very growing and budding um, wrestling community where you'll have access to me pretty much 24-7. Uh, you can bounce off ideas. We can shoot the shit. And I have exclusive shows just like my show coming up this weekend, Love and War, with myself and Kate Murphy obviously dropping on valentine's day so be sure to check out that free first episode um, and if you want more episodes you'll be joining our patreon for just five dollars a month or also just 17 cents a day <laughs> be good as a but with that being said folks it is time to get uh put the show on the road we are done for the week thank you guys for listening my name is king ricky rose this has been the king's court on kings of the rings podcast goodbye good night man fuck you. slack see you soon